Welcome to Color Forward, a podcast highlighting successful women who have overcome cultural adversity and mastered the art of resilience. Today's guest is Alma del Toro, founder and president of Blue Bull Energy. Blue Bull Energy is a U.S. certified minority women-owned business with an impressive track record driven to help accomplish U.N. sustainable goals. Before Blue Bull Energy, Alma spent 17 years at BP where she held several leadership roles across regions, executing transactions in over 10 different countries. Today, you'll hear her story of how she respectfully refused to live within the constraints and expectations put on her by her culture, her family, and her environment. Within a short period of time, Alma has built a successful brand, developed a mixed portfolio supporting startups and working with large organizations, international and national oil companies such as Equinor, BP, Petronas, Pemex, and Ecopetrol, to name a few. Alma is changing the narrative for Mexican-American women and all multicultural women. Now, here are your hosts, Rosa and Merari. Welcome. Hi. We're happy to have you here. Thank you, Merari. Thank you. <laughs> We're super excited for you to be in our podcast, Color Forward. Uh, you and I have known each other for many, many years, mm. and I'm your biggest fan of all that you've done, and I can think of a better human being to be part of uh, Thank this. you, you're making me blush. <laughs> I heard great things about you. Oh, so. Thank you, I hope I live up yeah. to it. Oh. This adventure. Yeah, so call it forward, as you know, we want to mm. give an opportunity to really amplify the voices of women that are really having an impact, not just for themselves as uh, leaders, but also to, to others, and especially women that bring much more than just their craft or their practice, but who they are, what their backgrounds say about them. And again, I can think of anybody that could actually share Mm. their experience, your experience with us and our listeners. So welcome. So with that, why don't you tell us who you are and... Yeah, who you are. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Mirari, for um, inviting me. I'm very, very delighted and slightly nervous. So, Alma del Toro. And who am I? I'm Mexican-American. I was born in Chicago, but raised in Mexico, and then sort of developed in the U.S. back again. I'm one of four kids. I'm the second one, two boys and two girls. And after, when I was six years old, the reason why I said you know, born in Chicago, but raised in Mexico. My parents didn't have an education, so they couldn't give us a future that they had in mind or visualized for us. So when I was six years old, we were sent back home to Mexico with my mom. And my dad stayed in Chicago. He worked in construction. So we we had an unusual upbringing, but not unusual to many thousands of families of immigrants that this is how they live in the States. I think the magical thing about our upbringing was that my dad stayed truth and loyal because the problem is that fathers start a new family here and they yes. leave the one back home. But we were very fortunate that my dad stayed truth. We all faced, you know, just different challenges with not having your parents together as any other child would. But I also think it made us very adaptable. Hmm. You know, and, and, and flexible to be able to live in two separate worlds because in the summers we will come to Chicago and visit my dad. And then in winter he'll come see us for two months. So we kind of live in both worlds and it it built into who we all became. Hmm. Yeah. 
How do you think that contributed to it? What are some of the things that you look back and you can say, because of that upbringing, that has helped me be the successful woman that I am today? Mm. So in the town where I grew up, one of the things that I know was an influencer is in the town that I grew up in Jalisco, it's, it's very small, not Pueblo, Pueblo, but small town. And your upbringing has to do with you go to school, you become a good girl, and you buscas un buen partido. Like you find a guy who can provide, and you get married, mm-hmm. and you have kids, and you cook, and you clean the house, <laughs> and you know you're the perfect wife. And because I guess I was exposed to two worlds, and I will come to the states. And although we live in a very um, dangerous neighborhood, South Chicago, it, it wasn't like I had a ton of role models, but just like as being exposed every now and then that we would go to downtown and I would see, you know, women working and with portfolios and, in, you know, or shows in the TV, which when you're in a small town, it seems far away. But when I actually could see it in downtown Chicago, I'm like, hmm, there's more to just being at home and cooking. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do that. And now I do that. I have kids, I cook, I do, but it's my choice. So I think it always put a bug in me that I did not want to do just that. And so I always had a vision that I wanted to do more than just that. I wanted to have choices. I wanted to decide for me. And it was really hard because my mom, given her background, she thought that was the life that she as a mom needed to ensure that we had. Yes. And it wasn't bad intended. It was more like that's all she knew. So she didn't know there was other possibilities. So it was that constant fight and struggle as teenagers because you don't fit that mold. But somehow I just knew I wanted to do something different. So that stayed with me. I love something that you said. You said you saw other women, you know, with their portfolios going to work. And it makes me think of something that is still going on today. One of the reasons why we wanted to start Color Forward is because we didn't see as many women, right? And there's always that sense that it's only me at the table. So it's just interesting on what just being able to see somebody else and having those examples and those role models and having that visibility, the impact that it makes in somebody's life. So it's a good thing we're doing this, right? Because that's what we want to do. We want to bring the light to all the women that are doing the great things like you are. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your transition into, so you made up your mind, you wanted to become Mm. one of those portfolio holders. Yes. (laughs) So, So funny enough, I was in about fifth grade, fourth, fifth grade maybe and you know I've always battled with dyslexia but back in the days in my town nobody knew what it was and there was no diagnosis and yeah I just thought I couldn't get mad and my teacher got really upset but in a very subtle nice way he didn't punish me but he kind of knew there was something special in me so he knew it wasn't that I couldn't get mad he just knew there was something right so he said okay stop doing that test and why don't you get a white piece of paper is the first time in my entire life somebody has asked me this question and said, if you had no boundaries and no limits, what would you like to do with your life? Like, write it. And I was like, how big can I dream? He's like, no limits. Wow. And I wish I would have kept that piece of paper. So I wrote, I want to be a lawyer. I want to work in an international company. I want to travel the world. I want to make decisions. I want to manage people. I want to be free. And... And he, when wow. he read it, right, it was very different, I guess, than anything he's heard. And he was just like, 
where did you get this? I said, I don't know. That's what I want to do. And that is the vision that, you know, when somebody opens your world to think about the possibilities, you paint this world in your head and somehow is your compass. And that is exactly what I ended up doing. And so growing up when I had serious boyfriends and they would structure my life as to, well, when we get married, you're going to go home and cook and have the kids. I'll be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then, or when my mom will like, limpia la casa, you know, like clean the house and I'm going to show your boyfriends that you're not like very tidy. And I'll be like, I don't care, mom, because I'm going to work to pay who's going to clean my house. I'm not going to want to clean my house. So all these things that you literally say that people think, you know, it's unrealistic. Right. You hold on to them when it gets really hard because it is, this is this vision that you know exists. And, um, and that's, I guess, what got me through. Of course, there was other painful situations and circumstances that, for whatever reason, things didn't work out. I was married at 19 in law school. And by the time I graduated, I was divorced, which was very wrongdoing in my small town. And I was scared to go through that step. But I somehow refused to be unhappy in a relationship. And I refused to fit in a mold. And that's when I decided to come back to Chicago and pursue my master's. And then I ended up working with a global oil company, British Petroleum, and traveled the world and did exactly all the things I wanted to do. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I actually, I've known Alma, as I said, for quite a number of years now. And the one thing that I always remember about you, and I think when I think about you, is how purposeful you are and you continue to be. And you've had some very clear goals and it's interesting, I didn't know this story of like how early mm. that being purpose started. And so, so tell us a little bit about where that comes from, because I know a lot of us are not as, I guess, as planful or purposeful mm. and how important it is that we find a way to find our purpose. And even if you don't have a purpose, that's okay. But mm. just having an idea of, of of where you want to get to or what you want to do or what happiness may look mm, like yes. for you. Yeah. Tell us how, how you go about doing that. You've been masterful at it, I think, in my opinion. I think, for me, was growing up in this world where, as I'd explained, you know, my dad stayed in Chicago so he can provide a good life. So we weren't quite in the high class but we weren't quite in the poor, but we live in between both worlds. And so I remember coming in summers and hearing stories for me that are very touching. A lady who who left her daughter in the border because she didn't have enough money to pay for her daughter to cross the border. And at the time I was working and I had savings and I thought, maybe I should give my money but I had my goals that I wanted to do, it, and, and that's one of the things that I regret now that I'm a mom. So when you live in that world where you hear stories like that or, or so-and-so couldn't make it because we, we didn't have to go through that situation because my parents made the sacrifice for us. So we were born in the States. But then back home, we lived in these, you know, sort of high-class neighborhoods, private schools. So being in both worlds, and my mom constantly reminding to us, tu padre los sacrificios, y mira los sacrificios de tu familia, and we can't afford this, and we can't afford that. You grew up with a sense of, at least for me, of wanting to do something for others. Like, if I make it, 
I want to do something. I want to make a difference. You know, I don't want to just take this for me because I've seen how, how people struggle and the sacrifices. So I think that always marked, you know, in the world is where I lived. And at a very early stage, even as a kid, I always got involved in charity things. You know, when I was in BP, I raised funds to build an orphanage in Ethiopia with my friends. I still support kids. I've supported five. I still have two in school and one in college in Africa. Is I've always felt there was more. And that bigger purpose, when things go really wrong, it pulls you through. And so, so what has worked for me is, yes, be successful financially so that you can be independent, but also be successful with joy, the mm -hmm. joy that you create for yourself and for others around you. I've never, ever approached a job at BP or where I am and said, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to do this. I've never taken, I'm not saying that's not the right approach. I'm doing this job to make a difference right. and have an impact for my life, for my family, but for others too. And that's a hat that I never take off. I just don't. Right. And I do it now as an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one of the things Amirari and I yeah. have spoken about before is, I mean, talking to a lot of women who come from similar backgrounds or have this multicultural base and have had to navigate, you know, some challenges how we always go back and think of not just who we are as leaders in our field or within our company or our community, but how we want to bring others along and how we want to to really give back, if, if you like. And I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are, whether this is somewhat unique to our experience or in this case, your experience that you've described, what are your thoughts around, around that? I think, you know, I can only speak from, from my experience and, and, and my, my siblings. And for, for us, it was constantly making us conscious, my parents, mm -hmm. as to look all the sacrifices and look what we're achieving with you guys. So you have a responsibility to do something because we're starting from below, no education, and being able to give the four of you guys a college degree and master's. So you're coming from a different platform. What are you going to do about right. it to change, you know? I also think it's sources of pain when you've been in very difficult situations for, for whether you're an immigrant or a female or a male or whatever race, we all face different challenges. But when you have been in communion with deep pain, I think it just makes you very open and vulnerable to feel other people's pain. Hmm. And so you can't just not do something about it. Yeah, no, and I would agree with that just to help answer that question. Just my situation, you know, um, with me was all about what kept me going is I wanted to escape poverty, right? And I do the same thing. You know, you're talking about the kids. I have two kids in Guatemala that I help. One is in, in school. The other one is in college. And those are, as you were talking about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I do a lot of that stuff. And when you talked about, you know, that pain and what you've been through, I think about those exact times where I said, something's got to change. Yes. Something's right. got to change. And that always drove me, no matter how hard the times or even when I was in situations where the environment that you're in may not be conducive to your success. You're like, mm -hmm. no, I have to keep going mm -hmm. because 
I've been through a pain or through situations that I wouldn't want anybody else to experience and can relate in all the things that you're saying. Uh, and, and we're doing a lot more. We continue to do that. Just yesterday, I was talking to my husband about, hey, we got to do a fund for, you know, Hispanic veterans because that's important to us. Mm. My husband's a veteran. Mm. We're like, what are we doing to help them go back to school? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's just so impactful. And I think a lot of women can relate. Can you tell us a little bit maybe about what are some of the exciting things you're working ah, on now? Of course, very humble, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, all the struggle, right? It has to lead to something for you to own get it. You're for you to, for, own it. For you to get these doses <laughs> of like, yeah, I'm doing something right despite all the mistakes or something. Three very amazing projects that I'm actually working on. I'm super excited. So, so one of them is a new corporation that I started with my business partner, Eduardo Nunez. He's an executive from Exxon. He was a former general manager for global procurement at Exxon. 30 years of experience. Amazing guy. He retired. And in the midst, as my desire of wanting to go back to Mexico and wanting to change things, I found that there was a gap as a result of the energy reform where now Mexico is open and all the international companies and private companies can come and invest and produce and drill and explore resources. I saw that there's a gap that all the big jobs go to the usual suspects, Slumberjay, Weatherford, Halliburton. But then they turn around and hire all the local companies and pay them a fraction. So the countries, the emerging markets really ne never see or, or it delays the benefit for the communities because all the big jobs goes to the usual suspects. So I start noticing a gap. So I start focusing on developing local suppliers. You know, how do we mm. do this? And so I form teams, specialists, and especially in areas like HSSE, security and safety. It's a big cultural mind change, in, not only in Mexico, but in Latin America. Right. And I will think in Africa as well. We don't have the same lessons learned that mature energy markets have so that we can embed processes and mitigate things. So all of these things I start focusing, but I realized that it was really hard to get to all of them. In Mexico alone, there's about 2,000 uh, local suppliers. So in the midst of trying to figure out this, this vision is how do I help everybody to provide an accessible tool? We created with my business partner, it's a 50-50 corporation with Eduardo, we created an intelligence software that basically consolidates the most demanding standards to work with oil companies and then local suppliers for a very nominal amount can access the two and self-assess and understand and develop and then they can you know the vision is that hopefully by then they, they can be able to compete for these jobs. And to narrow that learning curve, what we did, we are forming alliances with the major oil companies. So then they are the ones that sponsor the access to the platform. So we immediately create a bridge of communication, but also hope for the suppliers that it is worth going through these well, processes and the work. So that's one of them. The second, I am a strategic advisor at Sanvita Factory. This is a Houston-based startup. And it's a biotechnology that has patent the pathway to convert CO2 into glucose. And then also uh, working amazing. with oil companies to basically take the liability created in upstream and convert it into chemicals feedstock for downstream. So not only you're mitigating and helping with climate change, but you're actually profiting from converting the CO2 into a feedstock. So wow. super exciting. We have secure funding from Oxy. And BHP, wow. Wow. and um, yes, our science team has also figured out how to create the path.
pathway for remediation for mining as well. So wow. really big in climate change, which again, you know, I'm very passionate about that as well. And the third one that I work on is just continue to build a portfolio for Blue Bull Energy, whether we are investing in small startups or at the moment I'm working with the national oil company in Colombia. How do we help them leverage their partnerships so we create win-win situations? Yeah. It's yeah. a woman of power right there. Oh, my what? God. Yeah. <laughs> so you and I were talking about something from your time mm. at BP and how you broke free and that freedom that you found to do what you wanted to do and and having and creating these incredible mm. enterprises, I would say. How did you create this possibility? I love BP and I always said, always be by alma mater, right? Everything that I've learned and the development and the support I got there, it was amazing. But I think it was just a bug, just like, I don't want to be married and just have kids and stay in the <laughs> kitchen. I got the same bug, right? I don't want to just be what BP was telling me I could be. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a promising career. They wanted me to be country manager of Mexico, which is a dream job right. coming from Mexico. But somehow I just knew that I wanted to have freedom to make my own decisions and how do I want to use my time and resources to create the impact I wanted. And so it was deciding that it was the same bug and then just have a lot of faith. I think the number one thing that stops us, all of us, women, female, multicultural or not, is fear. Yeah. To leave a cocoon that is safe, well-paid, successful career, you know everybody, and kind of just say, okay, now I'm going to throw myself in this cliff (laughs) and hope there's going to be a big cloud that's going to catch me. Because that's basically what you're doing when you decide to break apart. But that big cloud for me was full of hope and dreams. And when I had sort of my retirement go away, you know, I intentionally said for two years, I am not going to accept any job offer because I'm leaving a job. I am not going to accept a job, no matter how tempting it is, so that I can test my abilities and see what I can create. And so one of the things that I said out loud, not as bragging, but I wanted the universe to hold me accountable. I don't want a job. I want to create jobs. And I have live up to that. Fascinating. Congratulations. That yes. is amazing. Thank you. So, I mean, if we think of all of our listeners who are thinking like us, right? Like, <laughs> wow, I, I want to do that. I want to be that. I think that's probably part of the recipe to mm. success is being very hopeful, right? Yeah. And very Faith. optimistic. So how do you do it, um, I mean, How do you pick yourself up from when the moments are not as, when the clouds are actually not there and you hit the ground? Yeah. And that has happened, you know, that that maybe the cloud wasn't as spongy as I thought, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I had some broken bones, but I stitched myself up. (laughs) I think, you know, like, of course, now I'm a grown up, so I meditate and that's been incredibly Mm. helpful to center myself and be very purposeful and intentional how I decide to spend my time and the friendships and the people I want around me and the people I want to work with. But when you're a kid, you don't have that kind of structure. And I think I've been very blessed as a very young age because of certain things that were happening in my life. They were pretty tragic. The way I differentiate myself or was able to separate from what was happening to stay upbeat was, I must be special. You know, I must be one of the chosen ones. Hmm. That's why all this crap is happening because... 
I don't think it's happening to so and so and so. So I, they must have handpicked me for a reason. They must be preparing me. I don't know how in the world, but I've always told myself this as a kid. So at a very early age, it's almost like I've decided without knowing that I was going to put this Olympic like flame inside that nobody, nobody ever was going to like it. shut down no matter what. And I've been very mindful of keeping in that flame despite how hard the fall is or how big the tornado comes at me. Whatever it is, I always center to that flame. But in terms of your question as to how all this happened, I think things align. And because I've always been very mindful, how do I use my position? How do I use my resources? How do I use my connections to make a difference, to help others creates tremendous amount of goodwill. So when I left BP, Equinor was the first contract. Why? Because I had friends there that wanted to help me. How can we help you, yes. Alma? You don't want a job. Okay, give me work. Then the CEO of Ecopetrol, dear friend of mine, and I have a lot of friends in Ecopetrol. They knew my work. They knew how hard I, you know, the, they knew the quality. They started inviting me to bid for projects. Mm -hmm. So it's these friends and goodwill that you create that people will give you the hand when they see that you're down. Just as much as when people that you think will give you the hand when you're down, yeah. they don't. They don't. <laughs> so there's, it's a wonderful surprise because the people that are empowered to extend that hand to you, they don't. And somehow you're thinking they will. But then there's all these other hands that come up from places that you're like, and at some point you did something to help them and you didn't even remember, or you did something that somehow triggered. So that's why my mantra has always been, if you can help somebody, do it. You know, do not hesitate. I know we all get busy where I don't have time. Yeah, life, we all have 24 hours a day. But that grace that spread out from actions, from whatever, was the same grace that was shown to me and great mentors that I have and friends. You know, we've, I've always been very mindful about creating these nets where I feel safe and I can sort of talk about openly my fears and things and whatnot. And, and I've been very fortunate that these nets are very powerful, smart people right. that give me great advice. And so my advice to anybody is, I know it's corny, but believe in yourself. I mean, yeah. there is no other magic pill other than that one. Right. Despite everything, despite yeah. your mistakes, <laughs> despite life slapping at you, telling you at times you're an idiot, somehow you have to think, no, I'm not. Yeah. There's something my mom, in me. Yeah, it's funny. My mom used to say, and even to this date, she always says, no one is going to love you more than yourself. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it's interesting because it's absolutely true. If you are the one who's letting yourself down, it's going to be very challenging to accomplish anything, right? Even if you have like the most amazing goals. Absolutely. Uh, if, if you don't believe that you can do it, it will not happen. And I don't have again anything against therapy. I think it does wonderful things. But I've always been more as to I need to find it within, you know, because I have relied within when things have gone really hard and find it. Again, I don't have anything against any kind of external support because yeah. we all need it and we all need to be strong enough to say I need help. But when it really gets dark and tough, it, most of the time you're on your own. So how do you find it? During those times that are dark and tough. So now that when I grew up, now that I'm older, you know, I came across with yoga and meditation. Yeah. Okay. And that's been a wonderful source of internal strength.
you know, and I also think is the friends that I have, you know, it's the relationships, it's having parents like the ones I have, that they're so committed and they're mm. so forward and they have a bigger vision that help us think differently and learning from your mistakes. Yes. It's hard to get up. It's shameful. You know, it was, it was a big risk for me to jump out and I wanted my parents to be proud. And yeah. No, but Mariah, so Mariah was talking about like the within and I know that works for you, mm. right? Because you're a very strong-willed person and you're able to compartmentalize and I know some others aren't. So I wanted to hear your perspective in terms of even creating the network of opportunity for yourself, either yeah. by reaching out and making sure that you have somebody else around you that you can bounce things off yes. of, right? Mm -hmm. We do this, Mirari particularly yeah. creates, make sure that women within our organization have yeah. access to other women that they can look up to. What are your thoughts around that? How to start your own board of leaders yes. I think, women leaders that can lift you up because sometimes some yeah. some of us might find ourselves very isolated and very yeah. alone yeah, yeah. I've, I've always loved this this quote from gandhi you are the change or you can be the change right that you want to see in the world something along the lines so if that's what i wanted that's who i want that's who i am to my friends you know if i want loyalty i've really spent time in creating these relationships with people that i respect and admire as same as I try to apply wisdom as to who who may not be giving me what I need nor I can give what they need and you've got to be respectful and mindful of your time right. because you have to jiggle yes. you know between your kids and your husband and work and so like for women that are out there and trying to figure out how do they create that my suggestion is start being that. Be that for other women. Love it. Be that, oh, that for the women around you, for mm -hmm. the women away from you. Like truly be loyal for them because these nets of powerful women are so important. And um, I created one outside now of BP because I had that in BP and we still have it. But even though I'm not in BP anymore and I get so much confidence and boost by telling the girls what I'm doing, and then, you know, they all cheer you up. We have one in Angola right now, and then the other one is probably in London doing something, and I'm telling them, well, I'm on a plane going to do this podcast, and another one is like, oh, look, my baby just rolled, you know, it's like a new, but <laughs> we're all in different stages, but we manage to stay connected. Uh, that's why you spend time building that inner strain, whether it's meditation, whether it's going to church, whether it's being spiritual, being very connected with your spouse or with your best friend, but you have to have, to have that. Yeah. Or when somebody's giving you a promotion or you decide to go for a promotion and you're second guessing, you need somebody to say, you're crazy, go for it. Just go. Yeah. And if you get stuck, we'll help you. We'll coach you. You, you need that to give you the confidence. But I know it sounds corny, and I keep coming back to it. You have to like yourself, love yourself, believe in yourself more than anybody in this world. We like to ask this question about what rules. I think you've broken taunts. Yes. But if you were to think of, like, what are some of the rules that you think you've broken in order to get to where you are today? Well, I think just being rebel internally to not fit the mold that people think I should fit. Yeah, <laughs> somehow I've always had the thing that, no, 
you know, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to be that. And accepting that there's risk when you decide not to be the mold that you have the support to be and step out and then you just have to say, okay, look at venga, right? You have to stay there and having pride. I know it sometimes doesn't serve us, but I also think pride has been a large pillar for me because I don't want to fail because I don't want to see myself mm -hmm. in that situation or have my parents feel that or somebody said, oh, I told you that she wasn't going to do it. It doesn't mean I haven't failed. I've failed many times. But what I do, I get up and keep going, you know, shameful, whatever it is, the situation. So in terms of, of breaking the rules, I just refuse to fit on a pattern, on a particular box. You know, when I was building Blue Bull, I put Blue Bull energy and people said, well, what exactly are you going to do? And to be frank, you know, I didn't know. I just knew I wanted to do something to build business and communities. And I said, I'm going to give myself two years to figure it out. What does this look like? And then I will decide and seek my portfolio and focus. And people were, you can't do that. And you can't do this. And you can't do energy. I said, what if I'm just energy to make the right things happen? What if I team up an organization that we just go around doing the right things? But I think most of us like the safetyness to know where we fit because we know what's the boundary and the risk. Right. And every time you step out, it's a whole unknown. So you have to be very uncomfortable with the unknown. And that's a space I'm, I'm very comfortable in. That was phenomenal. Yes. I, I, I love her. We definitely have to bring her back. <laughs> She just had so many personal stories and just how yeah. resilient and the fire within her. I yeah. want some of that. <laughs> no, I know, right? It's it feels awesome. like, what have I been doing with my life? That's how I always felt with Alma because I've known Alma for a while and I know and she's super modest. She's an incredible human being. And I, I think the one piece that I know off of her and I think it just transpired is the ability to flex yes. and adapt and reinvent herself. She was a lawyer. She went into finance from law, then an energy expert. It's that ability to reinvent yourself. I think it's something that we we should definitely explore what it, what it looks like. You know what um, I started thinking about a lot of times especially multicultural people, you look at your background mm. and you're not proud of it. And it's just amazing how the background, her background is what gave her that energy and that strength. Right. Right. And I think that's something that hopefully the listeners are paying attention to, that some of those most hurtful or difficult times yeah. are the things that fuel you yeah. to do greater things. Yeah. So I, it was just such an inspiring story. Like yeah. you said, she's so humble, um, but yet such a powerful woman that she just... Uh, yeah. No, and I think what you're saying amazing. is absolutely right. It's, it's how we celebrate yes. who we are and just hearing how she celebrates where she comes from and how that's helped her be who she is. It's a really good reminder of 
on the one hand, sometimes how difficult it is to be who we are Absolutely. and what we have to go through to actually to get some other folks to relate to our experience. Yeah. Do you know the other thing that actually struck with me quite a bit? Because I'm always thinking and in the work that I do on a day in day out basis is what can I provide for others to be successful? Right? <laughs> yes. and, I, and I loved what she said. It starts with you. Absolutely. Be the person that you want others be for you. Be loyal, be helpful. Like, Look at the opportunities where you can help yeah. others. I love it. And yes. that's such a strong statement and position to be in rather than is changing the narrative a little bit of like, I am the victim. Somebody has to come and help me out. Well, like, think about what we're doing. No, I know. <laughs> I know. But I mean, in yes. terms of a lot of people out there, that sometimes you're always waiting for somebody else to come and lend you a hand. Yes. I'm, I'm not undermining the fact that that is important. Absolutely. But sometimes we don't take into account how important it is that you can be that hand Absolutely. to start with for somebody else, right? Yeah, and I think it's almost like lead where you're at, right? So you may not have all the things, but even how we started, mm-hmm. Color Forward, you know what? There needs to be a platform for multicultural women to talk about their greatness and all the great things and impactful things they're doing around the world. It's yeah. not even in just in our communities. This is what you do. That was Rosa Santos and Mirari Simeon interviewing Alma Del Toro, founder and president of Blue Bull Energy. For more inspiring stories, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show, send us a DM on Instagram. We are at Color Forward Pod. I'm Elisa Monjadas, producer of Color Forward. Thanks for joining us, and please leave us a review.